What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. <laughs> it would be a wolf's fun, eh? Welcome everybody. It's your latest and greatest Wolves Fancast feature, Fancast Fridays. We're here to kick off your footballing weekend with a look forward to what Wolves are up to. And this week, as we know, Tottenham Hotspur arrive at Molyneux on Sunday afternoon. A little bit of spice added to the fixture with the fact that it's, the, I think it's the 100th game between the two clubs. Is that the most significant thing going on, Dan? <sighs> Might be. I think yeah. there's a few things we can talk about. We'll go through that in in the show. Yeah, feels like a moment. Feels like a moment. But yeah, as 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 we all know, Nuno Espirito Santo returns to Molyneux. Bruno Lage plays his first league game at Molyneux, and it has all the ingredients for being an absolute classic Sunday afternoon fixture on the telly box, as we know. And um, really, I just want to kick off Dan by talking a little bit about last week. Um, now. The burning question on everybody's lips, I think, is what the hell happened to you on Saturday night? Little Don turned up. <laughs> there's, there's little Dan who's just an annoying prick and then there's little Don who gets absolutely wasted and starts posting stupid tweets and going live on Instagram, playing pool and just chatting shit. I apologise for my behaviour. I'm trying to learn. You'll have noticed... We had a if bit of a... viewers did come across Dan um, on Saturday afternoon, evening, night, wherever it was, drop a comment to see, give us a one-word description of uh, his uh, his behaviour, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can read some out because that that'll be entertaining. But I know um, we've got the pod out, obviously uh, reviewing the Leicester fixture. I've done GTA as well. Dan, your thoughts in brief on on the performance, really. I was more than happy with the way we played against Leicester. I was massively frustrated with a few of the comments that I heard outside the pub in, in Leicester about how we were shit. If, if we were shit last week, Wolves fans have never seen us be shit in their life. I thought, I thought we were a good value, at least for a draw. I thought we were massively uh, unfortunate not to... We could have won that game. We had enough chance in that second half. People were disappointed in the first half of the game, but at the end of the day, we're still a counter-attacking team. Apart from the goal and the um, the Tielemann shot from distance, I, I never felt we were in, in any trouble. And the, obviously, the chance that Adama missed in the first half was probably key to us falling short on the day. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about you, but I felt like um, we had Leicester on the ropes for periods. Maybe not an, to an overwhelming extent where you thought, you know what? They're going to go on and win the game or anything, but an equaliser looked likely, um, especially for the majority of that second half. And unfortunately, weren't able to get off the mark for the Bruno era. Um, but does that give you optimism going into the game on Sunday? Oh, massively. I said to you um, off air uh, just that it's going to be a, a special occasion on Sunday with obviously the return of Nuno. The, ret- the return of him and Esther Falk past in Molyneux is massive for me on Sunday. And I think. 
fingers crossed, the atmosphere will get us over the line for three points. Yeah, like you said, I think there's so many different ingredients are going to make up this game that, you know, obviously we've been out without a, a proper Molyneux fixture for 18 months. I know I know certain certain fans of us uh, went to the Man United game at the end of last season, but, you know, can you really match that up to what we're going to feel on Sunday afternoon? It's just going to be special. From the moment uh, both team buses turn up, the atmosphere is going to be tense, I think. If... Um, as long as Tottenham don't get an early goal to sort of uh, dampen that atmosphere, I, I can't see us not winning this game. Cube, Kirby enthusiasm, music. <laughs> I mean, it, it would it, it would just be Nuno to kind of kill a kill a home atmosphere, wouldn't it? With uh, quite a dour dour first half, um, and uh, you know, like they say, quiet in the crowd. And uh, Wolves fans notoriously edgy at times, um, at, at, you know, over the years. But I, I do just feel like as if everyone's just going to be happy to be in the stadium again and, you know, get the place rocking. That's what it's all about. That's, why, that's the reason why we, we we pay the money to go. We all work hard, Monday to Friday. Some people work Monday to Sunday. We, we pay to go and see Wolves play, whether we're in League Two or flipping the Europa League. It's, this is what we pay our money for. So let's just get behind the team on Sunday and hopefully we'll uh, stick it right up Nuno's trumpet. Well, I mean, the whole idea of Fancast Fridays, guys, this season is that we're going to be getting Wolves fans on, we'll be getting opposition fans on, getting all the different views that we could possibly get. And every week we want you to come in and let us know if you want to get involved. I mean, we've got a few guys lined up, a couple of Spurs fans, a couple of Wolves fans as well. So, you know, if, if you think that you've got something you want to say and want to share with the world... Obviously, next week um, before before we before we go live, make sure you drop us a DM and we can look to get you involved. Um, I think Dan, are, are we ready to get um, our first first fan on? Or I think he might be a bit nervous because he hasn't turned up yet. So I'll just quickly just ask you, what was your sort of thoughts on the on the Leicester performance? I think, well, yeah, I mean, covered it in GTA, guys. So if anybody hasn't caught that, um, make sure you get over to the YouTube channel and uh, have a look at the last video um, from myself. But, yeah, ultimately, it was quite a, a tentative first half. Um, I don't think we expected us to go all guns blazing anyway. Leicester are a good side. They've got dangerous players. But once we got a foothold in the game and we got comfortable playing the way that Bruno wants us to play, and, and I think we saw that in the second half for sure, you know, the guys, the guys had a bit of a lease of life about them, and it. Oh, I just think that you know, no talented footballer wants to go out and play a boring game of football. You know, it just, it just ain't the way. And a lot of players who would have been stifled last season look to probably be a little bit more liberated. And I think there was no better example of that than Ruben Neves. Um, and you just saw him 10, 20 yards higher up the pitch, able to influence the game. And a four second half, he ran the show really. Um, so I think that's something that we're going to have, you know, more to look forward to. And uh, when you're getting talented technical players like that on the ball in more dangerous areas of the pitch, I'm expecting results. And Tottenham, you know, they've had a bit of a, a dodgy year or two um, with the end of the Pochettino era, the start of the, the Jose Mourinho uh, reign as well. They don't necessarily strike that much fear into the hearts. You know, we've obviously got the Harry Kane saga ongoing. And, you know, you, you feel like we've got a sniff of a chance if we go out and play the way we did in the second half against Leicester. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't want to over gas our performance against Leicester because obviously they were missing a, a, few, a few key players as, as much as we were. But I think when you look at the difference between Leicester and Tottenham, Leicester just seems so much more that, of a solid unit than Tottenham are. I think defensively, Tottenham are there to be got at. Um, Tanganga did really well against um, sort of Sterling and uh, sort of Mares when he played against Sunday. But I just feel like Leicester is so much more than Tottenham. I think we should have enough to beat Tottenham on Sunday. Yeah, I think Leicester showed that, you know, given the success they've had over the last couple of years, they've built up a, a level of resilience, probably you'd say, that that took them through that second half. You know, there, was, there wasn't a total bombardment, but, you know, they were able to stand up to it and say, you know what? You know, we're not going to concede a goal now. But if that was Spurs, you'd suggest, you know, there might have been a bit of flakiness which allowed Wolves in and maybe would have got a goal against a team like Spurs. You know, they might have maybe not been beaten to a header, you know, cross coming into the box, not quite dealt with it. Just little things like that that take a little bit of, not necessarily tactical now or anything like that, but just a bit of heart and determination to make sure that you don't get on the wrong end of a situation. I think you've mentioned sort of the resilience there. The, the squad depth that Leicester have built over the few years. I mentioned just that they've got they've had a few injuries on Sunday, but they had sort of Ricardo Pereira and Ryan Bertrand fullback who aren't their natural sort of fullbacks in the, in the last sort of twelve eighteen months. Uh, I thought that just shows how, how far Leicester have come. Which I, I said last week on the the Leicester uh, Fancast Friday episode that I get frustrated being compared to Leicester because, because they're so much more ahead of us in sort of progression and the, their recruitment has just been second to none, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it has. It's it's envious. Yeah, envious is probably the word that that we would have to be, I guess, because yeah, we we were on a level pegging, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, you still remember the Claude Puel reign and the way that we took them apart at home um, when we beat them four three. You know, they got back into the game, but I always felt that we were dominant in that fixture. And um, you know, we went three one up. Jota was getting a hat trick. It was the height of you know, exciting football um, that, that Nuno's team provided at the time. And you look at where things have gone from there. Yes, we've had the Europa League and yes, we've been absolutely, you know, running to the ground as a, as a as a unit and a bunch of players. But Leicester have just gone from strength to strength in the, in the way that they've appointed their manager. I think he's a massive part of it, Brendan Rodgers. But also, like you say, reinvested, you know, some of the, the expensive sales that they made, like Harry Maguire. And, and they, you know, they've gone on to show that they haven't missed any of those players. No, Matthew, I mentioned this last week, the, the conveyor belt of players that they've had depart for the fees that they've managed to get for them. Uh, Maguire, Chilwell, Kante, Mares, uh, Danny Drinkwater went for good money, which people forget about. We haven't yeah, had those yeah. players leave, apart from Jota. We haven't had that conveyor belt of departure. So when Wolves fans want us to, uh, be on a sort of level playing field with Leicester in regards to uh, expenditure and stadium rebuilds. We're not in that calibre. It's, nah. it's frustrating because Fosun sold us a dream that we were going to be Champions League finalists in, in a 10-year plan. Yeah. But we, we, we've all followed football enough years of our life to realise football doesn't come that easy. Not like it used to in the sort of 90s when Newcastle and Blackburn were bankrolling teams. It's, it's not that easy now with FFP. Do you want to have a look at the previous meetings before we get our Spurs guest on? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Well, you did mention earlier that um, it's our 100th meeting on Sunday. 
Uh, yeah, the commemorative pendant going to be exchanged between the two captains, mate. Must be something special. Uh, so we've got 14 Premier League uh, ties between Wolves and Tottenham since uh, the Premier League was founded. Wolves four wins, Tottenham seven wins, four draws. We've only kept two clean sheets in uh, 14 Premier League games, which is not great, is it? To be fair, there have been some great games in there, haven't there, as well? Um, I still remember the 3 3 um, between us under Mick McCarthy. Yeah. When Stephen Fletcher scored the headed equaliser at the end, I think Jermaine Defoe and Pavlyuchenko scored a couple of really good goals for him. Um, that was an unbelievable game. Um, and, you know, Wolves Tottenham game don't tend to be drab affairs at all. We think about the Wembley game um, when we won 3 1. You know, Raul Jimenez with that, you know, squeezing one in, Costa going through in the last minute. I mean, I wasn't there. Was, it, was you at that game? Was this the 3 1, you say? At Wembley, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was probably one of my favourite away days of following Wolves, to be honest, because sort of first half, we were quite under under the cosh for quite a bit of it. Obviously, Kane scores an absolute thunderbolt with, with his yeah. left foot from distance. Uh, Patricio made an amazing save from Christian Eriksen in, in the first half. But then as soon as we got the uh, the equaliser, it just seemed like it was a, a Nuno masterclass of just keep them keep the ball moving, keep them chasing shadows. And then in the second half, we'll just be in with fitness. And obviously, Bolly gets his head. Uh, um, and then Jimenez gets his his goals as well as Costa late at the end. It was just a yeah, a really good away day for Wolves uh, yeah. on the Nuno era. And who could forget our first visit to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well? Because that was, I mean, the last away day before this season that we, that we all went to. Um, 3-2 victory. Again, you know, that... Real thrilling kind of forward line at their best. It was Traore, Jota, Jimenez. Um, they all had a big influence on that game. And there you go, like you say, the winner, the winning goal from a, a lovely angle there, actually. That's a that's a, a fan cam, I'm assuming. But yeah, you know, we, we we didn't get to see that level of excitement, unfortunately, from Nuno thereafter, did we? And 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 that team. No, I mean I've I've been ridiculed numerous times, but that seemed to be the last sort of Wolves capacity crowd, which got us over the line. I think the, the game after that was Brighton at home, and then the pandemic properly hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get back to previous means. Wolves have won just one of their seven Premier League matches at Molineux against Spurs. Two draws, four losses. A, a Dave Jones winner in February twenty one was last time we beat them. Uh, snowy what, night, one of the most. Say again. What a goal that was. I think it was about 17 passes or something that led to the move. Oh, yeah, I remember. It, it was not a typical Mick McCarthy goal, was it? He was prime, like, prime Andrea Perlo in that little spell. Dave Jones came into the team and he, he honestly was unbelievable for about, you know, two or three months that led to us kind of climbing the table and, and staying in the league. Massively underrated, Dave Jones was. Very, very left-footed, but you hear, like, some of his um, teammate comments and... They all said he, how good he was on the ball, how he could dictate tempo. Yeah, uh, really underrated player in that um, Wolves era with his uh, best mate Carl Emery. Uh, he's, been in the, he's been in the news this week. I think he's taking a player coach job at Wrexham. As they, so, they're, they're spending big money on Wrexham with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he must be Hollywood. Then he must be Hollywood. Yeah, as mentioned, then the hundredth fixture between the two clubs. You know. Two pretty storied English football clubs um, over the years. Obviously, Spurs were the first club to do the double, I think, back in 1960. Wolves were having a pretty good um, era around that time as well. Um, but, 
you know, contested the first UEFA Cup final between each other as well in 1972 over two legs. Unfortunately, we lost that game. But, you know, I, I mean, like I say, it's just that so many ingredients to this game that are, you know, setting it up nicely. And, and the most kind of interesting one, I think, is going to be the fact that Nuno's coming back to Molyneux. And there's been lots of talk about, you know, the way we'll be receiving him and how we should look to welcome him back to the stadium, you know, for the first time since uh, since he departed. Lots of conjecture about the reason that he left, you know, talk, talk of the fact that he wanted to go home, have a break, you know, he's missing his family, all this kind of stuff. Lo and behold, he's taking a job in London. Um, what did you make of all that? And, and what are your feelings towards Nuno at this moment in time? It's... <laughs> I don't understand the the level of animosity that's that's got thrown towards the guy for how quickly he got us to where he did. Um, the way he revolutionised the club from that Austrian pre-season tour to picking Conor Cody out of a plane full of bang average players, to be honest, to make him pivotal as our leader and the way we played in that back five. Um, I'll be giving him a, a, a clap at a kickoff, but as soon as that whistle goes, I'll be calling him a wank like every other opposition manager that turns up in that dugout. Um, this will be the eighth time that Nuno Espirito Santo has uh, faced a fellow Portuguese manager in the Premier League, winning just two of the previous seven meetings. So yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be a good game on 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 Sunday, and we've got Ricky Sacks here from the the last word on Spurs. Uh, how you doing, Ricky? Hey guys, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, good. Great to see you. Nice seeing you guys too. Hope you're well. Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Sorry, Dan, hit him with the uh, attack, Gully. What's what you? Hit him um, with the attack. Oh yeah, we, we, this is this is coming at your interview style. You dress for a job interview by the looks of it. So you know. Let's, well, let's we, try, we try. We try, my friend. We try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Obviously, Spurs, it, it's never really a boring summer um, at, at such a high-profile club, and there's always things going on. This summer being no different, but I think. What I just wanted to get an idea of from your perspective is kind of the state that Jose Mourinho left the club in and, and what really needed fixing over the summer because obviously you brought in Nuno. There's all the talk to, about Harry Kane. We all know about that. But in your eyes, what do you think is the fundamental problem? Yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we're not even touched upon uh, the main issues that Spurs got at the moment in terms of trying to rebuild for Mourinho. I think that process in itself takes... A bit of time. I think United are still going through that right now, if I'm being honest with you. I don't think it's easy. I think Spurs are in a situation where they're back in a transition where they were really before Poch even took charge. We're kind of back there again now. Um, it's funny, the, the Nuno appointment, I've got to be honest with you guys, I mean, I, I saw a lot of different, you know, comments from Wolves fans. You know, I mean, I think from what I gauged from the outside was that um, I felt like with Nuno, it kind of reached... A kind of reach that course where it needed a bit of a break. That's the kind yeah. of that's the kind of uh, vibe I got really. If I'm being honest with you, I think from from me from the outside, I always, always admired Nuno as a very honourable man. Thought he spoke ever so well. Thought he was um, quite organised, disciplined in his approach. Um, if I look at his first couple of seasons in charge of Wolves, I thought really they looked organised. I think he had the best defence alongside the likes of City and Liverpool at one point. That's how familiar that, that defence was. I mean, I know it was an element of where maybe fans wanted the teams a bit more attacking, um, but are affording that the case that you can only work with the group you've got to some degree and you've got to only get the best strengths out of the, of the players you've got there. And I think at Tottenham, uh, I do think this is no disrespect to you guys. I think obviously he's working with a better calibre of players. But again, I think 
it's tricky because he's got his hands tied behind his back. He's come through the door. The star striker, the poster boy of the football club wants to go. Uh, Tsungi and Dombele, he's now throwing his toys out the pram. He also wants to go. He's not had an easy start to life at Tottenham, to be honest with you. And I'm so pleased for him that he got that win last week because um, you guys know what it's like, the media narrative. You know, it's it's always been about the, you know, the top six or the big four. And, you know, Spurs have featured probably within that over the last few years. But, you know, the, the constant 24-7 headline on any news media uh, train you read is Harry Kane. Where's Harry Kane going to go? What's going to happen to Harry Kane? Are Spurs going to fall apart? And I think that really galvanised the group last week. I think they came together. They fought as one, fought for the shirt. It was a really impressive performance against Manchester City. But for me, the challenge is Wolves. And I'll tell you why, for me, this is more of a, of a benchmarker. Because I'm very interested and intrigued to see how Nuno goes and sets up against a team of your calibre. Will he put 10 behind the ball and try and go on the counter? Or will he actually go for the throw? And I mean that, obviously, in a, in a nice possible way where, obviously, he, he goes there to get the result. And, you know, he does go on the front foot wants to go there, take the game to the opposition. Um, because no disrespect to Wolves, I mean, Tottenham, for what they want to be achieving in terms of, you know, Premier League, they want to be up there competing for the top four. You know, it's not only that long ago Spurs were in a Champions League final. I, I'm not saying that we're in a position to be there at the moment. We certainly aren't. But, you know, there's players in that squad that were part of that team. So, you know, it is a rebuilding job. But I do think Nuno will surprise people this season. It, it all depends on how Spurs finish this transfer window. If we sell Harry Kane... And we don't get in an adequate replacement, which, to be fair, I mean, listen, Harry Kane is one of the best players in the world, in my opinion. So trying to yeah, find a replacement yeah. for Harry Kane is hard enough. But when you think about Spurs also need another striker, regardless of if Kane stays or leaves, um, and you've got the Ndombele situation where they're going to be losing a creative player, um, although the attitude is questionable at the moment, but Spurs will need to get someone else in. You just feel there's a lot of work that Spurs need to do between now and the end of the window, but that shouldn't distract them from the fact that Wolves is a winnable game. And I think Spurs plays their potential, they should get the result. But Wolves, I'm concerned because it's always difficult up at Molyneux. I think you look at the case that, you know, it's a new manager there. I know he didn't get the result last weekend, but it's his first game at home. I think that will play a massive part. I think the fans will be massively behind him, always passionate. Um, it's always tricky. I never have an easy game we go up to Wolves, to be honest with you. Um, in, in the last few years, I think we drew up there last year, thanks to a late header. Um, I think from Saka. We're, we're, still, we're still a bit bitter about that one, Ricky, if I'm honest. Or the, well, or the think, yellow cards and the, the, the Traore attack. Do you know what? I mean, do you know what was funny about that game? I mean, what I couldn't quite understand is Spurs went one up, sat back, sat back. It's almost like we were waiting to concede. It wasn't a case of that, you know, we were going to win the game. We just felt, when's the goal coming? And I think if the game went on for 10, 15 minutes more, Wolves probably would have won it, if I'm being honest with you. And that's what I mean. That approach there just isn't suitable for Tottenham and what they want to achieve and what they want to do. And, you know, this is what I'm concerned about, really, in terms of, I'll be interested to see on Sunday, the benchmarker, whether we go to Wolves and we're going there to win or we are going to sit back, try and soak up pressure, hit walls on the counter-attack. I just think Tottenham, you know, for a club of their dimension, for what they want to be achieving, they need to go to walls and, you know, play the football and get the result. And I don't yeah. think it'll be easy. I think walls will make it difficult. No, I think totally. you, you mentioned, uh, just Ricky, that you like how um, the way how, how Nuno is composing, the way he talks. I actually watched um, his um, pre-match press conference earlier because I was, I was uh, intrigued to see what he was going to say about returning to walls and whatnot. And the Wolves yeah. fans will know, sort of, Nuno, um, pretty much press conference, bingo, the words compact, balanced, organised, yeah. all turned up. That's the yeah. words you have to get used to, Ricky. Um, I, do you really believe there's that big a gulf between the, the two squads in, when you take out Harry Kane? I, I still believe, you know, some of Tottenham's quality in that squad is still just above Wolves, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I still think Tottenham, for where... I mean, listen, it's just, you saw, you know, 
with Pochettino, he took this squad to unbelievable depths of level. You know, Spurs were competing and they were in the top four regularly under Pochettino and they got to a Champions League final. And I think, you know, although this squad has reached a point where it does need a rebuild and a refresh, I do think it's a big gulf between the two clubs still. And it's no disrespect because I think Wolves are building, you know, their own project now. They're building again and good luck to them. They're, you know, they're a good side and, and it's a, it's a good law set of fans. I think Tottenham, again, for where we want to be, um, I think Spurs have to be aiming to get into that top four as a minimum, you know. I mean, look at Spurs' stadium, the training ground. It's it's of an elite, elite level. I've got to be honest with you guys, you know, for, for what... This is the frustration as Tottenham fans, if you ever speak to Spurs fans. It's just that when you look at Spurs, what they've done off the pitch in comparison to on it, if only we had the investment on the pitch as we had off it, we'd be a formidable football club. But, you know, that's the issue with Tottenham. That's always been the problem that, you know, the investment hasn't quite been enough to ever get Tottenham over the line. We always go into a transfer window and we always come out of it, always feeling that there's one or two more that we needed. And this won't be any different, I feel, with Tottenham. I don't think it will be a window where we'll come out and we'll be, great, you know, happy about everything we've done. You know, it's, it's tricky. But I do think, to answer your question, to not skip around the houses, I do think Spurs' squad is a bit more superior to Wolves. But it won't be an easy game. I think it'll be very, very tough. Very tough indeed. We have, we've got another question from, uh, obviously, the comment section. Uh, Metallic UK, uh, question for Ricky. How much would a club need to offer for Tangoy and Dembele? Um, he thinks he'd suit Wolves at Molyneux. Yeah, I mean, he's a wonderful player. The problem with Tungi is I just don't quite know what the guy wants. I think the problem is I think he's got big eyes where he thinks he can get a move to Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and... No disrespect to him. Those clubs, first and foremost, you know, no matter what you think of those clubs and what they pay, the first thing you need is ap- attitude, application, desire. You know, if you haven't got those things, don't bother. Don't, don't even bother. You know, it's just, this is what I mean. This is what frustrates me so much. He has got unbelievable talent. He's one of the most talented players in the squad. Probably one of the most talented players I've actually ever seen in the flesh. I think he's... Yeah. Some of the stuff he does on the ball is absolutely unreal. He is a throwback to a street footballer. He really yeah. is. He's an awesome player. If only we could have, I was going to say, if only we could have Harry Kane's work ethic, but the way he's been acting the last month or so, I'm not sure I'm going to say that. <laughs> and if, if only we could have somebody, you know, that, you know, that give him, you know, someone that's got an unbelievable attitude and desire to work, he would be a phenomenal player. And the problem is, you know, it's all very well having, having the talent, but, you know, and it, it's a well known quote, you know, talent is nothing without hard work, right? We all know that. Yeah. So if he's not willing to put the work in, then he's really of no use to Tottenham. And, you know, we've got 12 days of the winner to go. I was always, you know, I'd never wanted to see him leave the club. I'm at a point now, I'm just so frustrated. Uh, if the opportunity comes up, I think Spurs need to have a look at maybe potentially um, an exchange of a player, depending on who that would be, or just trying to cash in and get some money back on him. But it's very hard. I mean, he cost us, what, upwards of 42 million, 45 million, I think up to 60 million. I might be wrong. Um, so, I mean, let's be funny, let's be fair. I don't think he'd be in Wolves's. Um, it won't be in Wolsey's thoughts, I don't think, the kind of level of fee that you guys be after. Yeah. But of course, he'd come and improve the squad. The thing with Ndombele is he'd come and improve anybody's squad. But the thing is, yeah. if the attitude's not there, then there's no point. There really isn't any point. So you want to space jam him into Harry Winks? Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Bless him, Harry Winks. Oh, dear. I'm so sorry for that guy. Really, that that would every, every time we do a show, I just hope Harry's you know, not on social media or watching. I feel so sorry for him. I just think he's devoid of confidence and it's hard to see a footballer really like that on the pitch. He, just... he was in the England squad about 12 months ago, wasn't he? 18 months ago? Yeah, I, do you know what, guys? I just don't know what's happened to him. Bless him. He's a lovely, lovely lad. Uh, Spurs at heart. Been through the academy. I just think it's a point where everyone needs a reset. He needs a reset. needs a new club. We need to move him on. I just feel bad for him. I feel even bad, you know, when we do these post-match shows, especially when it's on YouTube and it's visual and we're 
I say tearing into him, but we criticise him. I just don't really feel comfortable doing that because he's a lovely boy. And, you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing that to players. But ultimately, you know, as you guys are, you're there to have an opinion. If a player's not good enough, you've got to say how it is. And I just hope he gets that move before the end of the window. He needs it for him as well. For him and his family, I think, you know, as much as it's Tottenham through and through, for his own career and development, he needs to get away from Tottenham. Just touching yeah, on that there, Ricky. Sorry, Golly. I had a conversation with, with Conor Cardia about a couple of months ago. And yep. uh, we had a conversation about football fans slating the players. And I sent him yeah. the highlights of our recent charity game. And I said, if you ever feel uh, hurt by some of our words, look at this game. These are the people <laughs> who are slating you on a, on a day-to-day basis. So Speak for yourself, Dan. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I wasn't, uh, yeah, you, you're right, to be fair. Footballers can't be taking podcast people like ourselves seriously. What we say when 99% of the time we couldn't hit a cow's backside yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I just, I just think also as fans, you know, when we're, when we are content creators or whatever you want to call us, you know, out there, I think we also got a responsibility just to understand that, you know, a lot of these people, I think people forget a lot of these, these people got families and a lot, you know, a lot of them watch, you know, don't be surprised. A lot of, you know, this, the kind of content that has produced, it reaches footballers, it reaches players, it reaches agents, you know, they're, they're well yeah, aware yeah. of what's been said. And I think we mustn't forget that, especially in the world we now live in with mental health and stuff, you know, I'm very cautious that, um, although it's a very well-paid job and it's got its luxuries, at the same time, um, football's football and it is about ability. And I think it's just trying to divide the two where it's all right to say a player's not good enough ability-wise. I just think there's a difference between, a, you know, and you guys know, there's a difference between abusing a player and questioning the ability of him. I just think for Winks, bless him, he's a, he seems like a lovely boy, but just not up to the level that we need now. We need to move him on. That's all I would say, really, in terms of ability of the player. Could I say you with two more things before? Uh, have you got anything else, Gulley? No, I was just going to say the, the conversation about Ndombele, it, you probably want to stick Moussa Dembele in a time machine five, six years back. Oh, mate, if only I could, if only I could. What a player. Right, just two more things, Ricky. What's your thoughts on Matt Doherty and what's your score prediction for Sunday? Uh, Matt Doherty, for me, I think it's a case where, yeah, Matt Doherty needs a move um, as things stand at the moment. I think it's going to be hard because Javit Tanganga was absolutely awesome last week at Man City. I think if he plays like that every week, I think Doherty will find it hard to get back in the team. Um, having said that, Nuno's here. He probably used him previously, knows him very, very well. Uh, Matt will probably feel like for him it's a chance to kind of, yep, yeah, kind of get himself back on track at Tottenham is what's been a difficult first 12 months. Um, like I say, positional-wise, he hasn't really been playing in a position he wants to be. Um, and yeah, like I say, it's been difficult for him. But, you know, I really hope for him's sake it counts to work out at Tottenham. But I, I do highly doubt that as things stand at the moment, he's going to have a huge Spurs career as things stand at the moment. So, what's, what's, where's your money on Sunday score prediction-wise? Maybe give us a first goal scorer. He's bottled it, lads. He's bottled it. Yeah, the key question. <laughs> London may have just become under attack. Bear with us. While we I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. You still there, Ricky? I'm still here. I'm still here, guys. I heard you there. Yeah, first goal scorer. I'm going to go with Lucas Mora. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Tottenham win. Nice one, Ricky. Hopefully, I'll tweet you after the game Sunday saying you got that wrong. Enjoy your weekend. You two guys. Cheers, best up for the rest of the season, apart from these two games, OK? That's right. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There's Ricky from the last word on Spurs. And joining us now, we've got uh, Zach from the South Bank Molyneux Instagram page. You all right, lads? 
How you doing, Zach? Yeah, yeah all right, Gully. How are you doing? How you doing? Bought the bandana oh. again today. Oh, I've got her. else my hair goes in front of my face. Is that, is that a <laughs> trademark for you? It's it's becoming a trademark now. I'm gonna I'm gonna own it. It's mine. You have to you have to wear it on Sunday at the game then, because oh, nobody will know who you are otherwise. That, that's why I won't wear it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, we've talked a little bit about Spurs. Um. I think. We've, we've, we've mentioned, obviously, all the, the big things that are going on around this game. First game back in the stadium, etc., etc. Another thing that is worth mentioning is the fact that Raul Jimenez is making his return to Molyneux to play in front of a home crowd um, after a horrific injury. And um, We've seen all the media that he's done this week about, you know, essentially, he, he, he basically sees it as a miracle that he's alive. You know, there's bleeding on the brain and all those horrible things that you read in that article. I mean, how happy will you be to see Ralzak? I think, like everybody, well, everybody's going to be ecstatic. I'm going to be ecstatic. Um, it is a miracle that he's going to be playing. I mean, if you think back to Ryan Mason, for example, I mean, I don't, that was a horrific injury itself as well, and that ended his career on the spot. Uh, Petr Cech, also very, very fortunate to be playing after that, and the only reason he could play was because of his helmet that he had to wear after. So, Raul is... It is a miracle, and I'm just I'm, well. We should all be blessed that he's still playing for us because <laughs> it, it was a very, very bad incident. I, I, can see, I can see it now by looking at you. You know, some Raul Jimenez headbands could probably do a good, good job in the in the club shop. I reckon. Yeah, just get get all nine across there. A little bit of a little Mexican flag. <laughs> I'm not sure how they haven't even haven't even got these in the sports shop already. <laughs> honestly, honestly, club shop. Well. But you used, the... used to sell tomorrow. Kets boy a bald wigs in the club shop. <laughs> the less talk about the club's commercial operations, the the better. Exactly. I think at the moment. Well, you mentioned earlier about trying to fund more uh, more ways to get more funding. There you go. There you go. You heard it here first on the fancast. Hopefully, Vinny's uh, tuning in tonight. Hello, mate. Mexican va- Mexican bandanas. <laughs> um, I mean. Zach, were you uh, were you a Nuno advocate? Were you happy that he, he moved on? Like, obviously, he's coming back. What what were your thoughts at the time? I I was one of them where I was willing to give him another season. I thought without the fans, it made a huge difference. I thought give him another transfer window, see what he can do. But when it actually came out that he was leaving, I was more on the side of probably was the right time, and there was optimism. In regards to, surely they've got someone lined up, which they had someone lined up, which, like everybody else, they assumed I was going to get some backing. And so far, I'm a bit on the fence with the backing now, especially uh, reading the uh, the quotes of the last interview he's had before uh, this game. Yeah, it. I mean, it's going to be strange seeing him in a different dugout. You know, clearly, apparently, he's dressed up to the nines now. No tracksuit jobby. Yeah, These days gone. for Nuno, but with with um, having seen you know last week's game um, against Leicester, Bruno, his take on on the three four three and the way the way that we played um, in that fixture, do you feel like we've made the right step in the right direction? Yeah, um, last the, the, after the game last week, I've become cautiously optimistic about this season. I think the way that we played, especially in the second half which it's, everyone knows we're becoming more of a second-half team again. Uh, but the way that we played, the energy that we put forward going forward, it, it showed that we were actually, you know, we're intending to do something this season. The way that Bruno's lining us up, 
it, it looks like we're actually going to have a go. And with yeah. what he's got, he's, I mean, I can't fault the lads on Saturday. They, they played brilliant. The only thing that was lacking was the goal. And that, but, you know, it's, it was probably just one of them games where it, we just didn't have any look, any look that game. But yeah, the output, the energy, the even the defence, the defence wasn't horrific, which a lot of people go on about. And considering it's makeshift, it weren't too bad. I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of the criticism of the defending was very harsh. Um, I thought it was as well. Game. Yeah, you know, in terms of volume of chances, there wasn't a fat lot. You know, in ter- from Leicester, they had. I think the the other decent chance they had was when Vardy went through in the second half and probably should have hit the target with with a shot from just inside the box. But really, that goal, I reckon, if Vardy runs across the front post and tries to finish that in the way he did. He's probably does it five times out of a hundred. You know, it, yeah. it was a ridiculous. You know, for it to loop over Jose Sarr as well. You know, it was a great finish. It was an unbelievable finish, and you know, you've got to take your hat off to him there. But looking forward to, to this weekend, I I'm hopeful of us getting on the score sheet. Um, what do you think needs to change slightly from the Leicester game? Was it just a case of taking the chances that we got, or is there anything else that you think we could do going forward? I think right now it it'll be just the case of taking them chances because if we did take them chances, I think we'd be coming away from there with three points. I think the the first Adama miss, I think it was a couple of minutes later, was it, when Leicester scored after that? Quite literally. Scored, yeah, yeah, if we'd have scored from that, you'd, you'd be looking at a different scoreline. Um, Quite literally? But, yeah, <laughs> literally, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for this weekend, I think we'll just, just go again. He's got an idea. The players have got to trust his idea. We just got to, we just got to go for it with what players we've got available to us. Yeah, I mean, Ricky from the last word on Spurs. I think he he made the point that it probably was set up for Nuno to get a good result against Man City, uh, first game of the season, played into his hands a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see how he does approach coming to Molyneux um, and and setting up because. In theory, you know, there's a there's a host of attacking talent at Spurs. Whether that means he feels the need to go and take the initiative, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily his way at Wolves, but what are you expecting from him? Well, in theory, he should know our weaknesses and our strengths. So he, he should know how to beat us. But I, I, like I said before, I'm cautiously optimistic and I think that we could do them this weekend. I think with, like you've mentioned before, Raul Jimenez, his first appearance in front of the Wolves fans. Obviously, everybody back. The atmosphere is going to be rocking. It's everyone's excited. I think that'll be enough, just just enough to get us over the line. So, whether he's got a plan or not, as Nuno's always got solutions, as we know. I don't think he's got the ones that got any solutions this weekend. Bruno Bruno used solutions in his uh, pre-match interview this week. So oh, no. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Have oh, we just no. got an imposter? Have we got an imposter? Um, I'm going to put your neck on the line for a, a bit of a prediction for us, mate, if you can. Yeah. Uh, I was originally going 1-1, but I'm going with 2-1 Wolves now. I have to. I've, I'm getting, the closer I've, this, this game's coming, the more optimistic I'm getting. Not so, this week. Not the first game back. Not the first game with a full stadium. You know, we've got to. You've got to you, back the place. You've got to back them. We've got to back them. No, that's, with that's our backing, I think we'll be. I think, I think, like I say, the 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 atmosphere is going to be bouncing. So yeah. I fancy us against anyone when our when our stadium's rocking. Place is going to be rocking, honestly. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. joining us, anyway, Zach. Really no appreciate problems, lads. Time. 
Always a pleasure. Cheers, lads. We'll see you soon, I'm sure. Cheers, lads. The guests keep coming thick and fast, aren't they? Yeah, we've got um, Ian Matar with us now. Spurs fan. Are you and, good? Yeah, man. How you doing, um, guys? Um, Wolves fans in particular will will know the the finest set of barbershops in the city, okay. the Empresario. We have guys. the leader with us, um, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Jimmy brilliant. Trims himself, and well, uh, little what, what, one of them anyway. One of them, one of them. But uh, I, I don't know if, if some of the customers know, but Ian is a as a fully fledged Spurs fan, and um, he's going to give us. His take on, on on things going on at the moment. So I mean, we've had to, we've had a little bit of a chat with uh, another Spurs fan previously this year. And I don't know if you caught that, but I really wanted to dig into the Harry Kane situation with you, if I'm honest, um, and what a uh, palaver it's been because I, c- I can't imagine it's uh, it's settling anyone and and it's it's messing up his your transfer window probably, isn't it? Yeah, the one thing I would say, Spurs are kind of used to this. It's not the first time we find ourselves in this position late in the window having to sell a player who wants to go. Um, it, it's not an ideal situation, but there's probably no better club to be in that situation, to be honest with you. I think um, there's a lot of moving parts to it. I know that uh, a lot of Spurs fans are very, quite rightly upset. Um, but I think there's a lot more to the situation when you dig in deeper. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and defend Harry Kane because I think he's taken, him and his team especially, have taken some very poor steps over the last three months in particular. Uh, and they're coming back to bite him. I think that there's a, a distinct lack of understanding of the negotiation situation he's in, which is very, very poor. Um, and But I do think there's more to it. I think he's a Spurs fan. And I think he's been lied to, just like every Spurs fan has over the last four or five years. I think what Levy's done this summer is great, but it's three years too late. And it's taken, you know, people like Kane to put his neck on the line and say, look, I don't want to play for the club unless this happens for it to kind of happen. And, and I just feel like he's very, very fed up with it. And I don't, to a degree, I don't kind of blame him. I, I think how he's gone about it is very poor. But the flip side to that is there's a number. The number is 150 million to come to the table for a UK club. I think he'll settle on 150 to 160 million. And the key is this needs to happen before Monday, Tuesday, because we're running out of time. Um, what complicates things even further as a Spurs fan is the primary targets to replace him or even play up front with him are disappeared. They've gone. I think that they were very keen on the Florentina striker who looks like he's going to either sign for um, Atletico. Yeah, but I'm hearing yeah. rumours now Man City might be doing it, but it's that gamesmanship. Uh, Lewandowski obviously throws a little bit on there. Not that we were ever kind of with a sniff of him, but that might affect the market. Um, but there's just not much out there. Ings, I mean, who, who are you going to kind of replace it? And you're not going to make that door deal in four or five days. I think uh, I got a lot of respect for the for the new uh, director of football, Fabio Patrici. I think he's a fantastic addition. I think he's done very, very well. But I don't think he's got to trick up his sleeve to solve the striker crisis. Um, going forward, I think what would happen, I think what will happen is I think they will probably sell him. And I think they will probably sell him late, which isn't what we want to hear. And I think they'll move Son to the kind of nine position and they'll look for wider players. You know, Torre is a very kind of common one that's banded around at the moment, not who I would like to see there. But I think that's what they will do. I think they will go with a type of player like that, maybe two or three of them. And that's how they'll run the season. Um, and again, it's just as a Spurs fan, it, it's not the um, the route you want to go with over this last week. But I can probably guarantee it's probably the route that's going to happen. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you reference kind of moving parts in the transfer window, and and you've you just referenced, you know, being lit with a Wolves player as well in Adama Traore, and I think we're both in a similar boat in the sense that a departure could really unlock, you know, our own business. And um, we've sold a couple of players, um, you know, this week, but really, we've spoken about it. That that move, you know, Adama. I know you're not necessarily the biggest fan, but could you see it happening? Yeah, I could definitely see it happening. I think um, they've always been keen on him. Uh, I think he misses that or lacks that last bit of end quality. But there's there's certainly a lot of players that are at Spurs, Bergwijn's are one of them, that don't have that either. So why not try and go for someone who's a little bit different? I think Son and Lucas have started the season very, very well. That's what I think two of the three positions are locked down now. I think the one's up for grabs. And I don't think anyone in the kind of football club at the moment is is going to make a a beeline for it, even though they've kind of brought in a few players. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to have to look at someone else. They're going to have to look at someone else in the Premier League. Personally, if it was me and Kane went, I'd go and spend £40 million, uh, on the lad from Newcastle, St. Maxim. I think he's a, a quality player. I think he would fit very well. He knows the Premier League, brings an added dimension. Um, I think Newcastle are a little bit weak. I think they give a good game in terms of protecting their players. But I think if you go in hard, I think that they'd probably give him up very, very quickly. That's who I would go with. That's who my choice is. I don't think there is a striker out there. Well, there isn't. I mean, Harry Kane's one of the best in the world. You're not going to kind of replace him. Um, but I do think Spurs have got a conveyor belt of younger players that will be ready in two or three years. Uh, Troy Parrott, uh, I, I speak very highly of him. He's on loan over at MK Dons as well. Far too soon for him. Dane Scarlett, I know, played yesterday. Um, 17 years old, far too young for him. But, but there's, there's some kind of green shoots there in three or four years of homegrown talent. And I think Spurs do it very well. Oliver Skip's coming through again. You, you know, the futures, certainly I know the hurricane situation is a bad one, but being a Spurs fan has been pretty poor over the last two, three years. Awful since Potter has gone, to be honest with you. It's been dark, dark times. Wrong yeah. move after wrong move. And just, unfortunately, Kane's a bad example of it, but the rest of the football club and how they're going about it and the Nuno high, even though, again, very painful how we got to it. It does feel like a very positive place. And as a fan, you know, it's a great start to the season. What happened at City was exactly what we wanted. And with Wolves coming up, it, it almost feels... And I'm very much in agreement uh, with the, the last kind of guests. I think it's the perfect time to take it. I think um, a lot of the things that you see as positives, I think, are negatives. I think it will be far too emotional with the fans back for the first time. I think um, if it was a, a football club that had the same manager for a long time, if it was Nuno there as a Wolves manager, I think it'd be totally different, that crowd. But I think that crowd with a different manager, with a different team, for it being so long, I think it'll be a very key opening 10, 15 minutes. And I think in the, the previous games between us, those 10, 15 minutes have been fireworks. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, a lot of it hinges on whether he decides to give Kane a go as well. Again, I think that changes the dynamic and very much takes the storyline in a different direction. And as we know... Yeah. Sometimes game or match day is all about the scenario, the, the storyline that's going on there. So it'd be interesting to see how he plays it. I don't recall like a more narrative-filled game for a while, actually, against two yeah. between two clubs who don't necessarily have the history of you know drama and proper um, you know storylines and things. But there's so many so many ingredients to this, and I mean, being a Wolverhampton boy you've probably been a bit closer to following Nuno's journey as a manager sure. in the Premier League than, than than many Spurs fans. What were your feelings initially and have they changed since you've, you've, yeah. you've seen them? I'm not going to lie, I was gutted. Absolutely gutted. I mean, for me, it was 
a roller coaster of a summer, you know, like I, I was desperate for Potch to be back. Really, like when the news broke, I mean, I kind of, it was a standing joke between me and my kind of friends how much I'm in love with Potch. I think he's perfect for the football club. I think it was a disaster getting rid of him. Um, nothing that has happened now would have happened kind of if Potch was there. I think at the very least would probably be in the same situation. And a lot of the problems he had were proven to be right. Um, I, I know we're talking about Nuno, but just one second to say that, you know, to find Potch where he is now, PSG, surrounded by the players he is. Honestly, I, I couldn't be happier for the man, to be honest with you. I just hope it's a real success there and, and it doesn't kind of go wrong for him there. But on, on Nuno, he wasn't my first choice. Um, you know, there was a, a list of managers I wanted before, to be honest with you. When I found out, I was disappointed. And, and that was very much because of that last year. Like everybody, sucked into that last year at Wolves. When I did my research and I went back a bit further, past kind of walls and looked to these Valencia days, you know, I felt a lot more optimistic. And to be honest with you, I think this happens and it has happened very much at Tottenham. Martin Yol's a great example. When it, kind of, when it ends up being the person that we didn't expect, it tends to be the right person for the job. Um, okay. what one thing is, I do respect the director of football immensely. And he, he uh, the word is, he pushed Levy and it was, was almost make or break that he had to hire him after him saying no and he got him kind of in. And what I would say is I've been extremely impressed. I, I, like you said, I, I knew his mannerisms. I knew how close he was. I knew the effort he made with the players. I knew he was big on the training ground. And I did feel that he was a perfect match for exactly what we needed right now. Uh, someone very, very calm. Um, someone who would focus on training and the, the team and the squad are not fit. And they are suddenly, it's no surprise, they've been craving that. So it, it, ultimately, he has impressed me and it, it is the right hire. It's just, you know, as a Spurs fan, you kind of wanted Nangleman, you wanted kind of um, Rose from Dortmund. There was some great managers out there and there was never, uh, you know what, there's never been a summer like it in terms of what happened in the transfer market, in terms of what happened for the managers. And it just feels, and again, let me say, I think it was the right hire, but with where everything that kind of happened, it almost felt very kind of, Underwhelming, you know. Underwhelming. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he—I I don't mean this in a, in a—I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. Uh, by design, he is very underwhelming, and, and how he handles his press conferences is very underwhelming. And, and again, you know, I, I could totally understand it. That's not what he wants to do. He, his work is on the training pitch. It's very obvious. I'd, I'd recommend of, not tuning into his press conferences from, yeah, from this point been, onwards, to be honest. It's <laughs> yeah, been awful. The Harry Kane question has come up numerous times for him. And, and he's already, you can see that he's got standard questions for everything. He doesn't yeah. give much away. Uh, but but I kind of like it. You know, he, he's been very brutal with the players he doesn't want. And De Bellet's just, from the sounds of it today, been told to kind of almost pack your bags this isn't kind of working out um so you know what spurs needed it i think they had the wrong uh balance with Mourinho in terms of how he acted with them um so i think you, you know what for the football club a lot of healing needs to go on um whether he can push them to get to the top four i'm not sure i think um there's no surprise his contract length is the same as Pochettino's over at psg so we'll see what happens i hope he succeeds and I genuinely, I think uh, the last 10, 15 years are kind of managers that come our way. Um, he's the one I kind of want to to work the best because I, I just feel like he's the nicest one out of the lot we've had for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, he, he, I really, really hope it's a success story for him. And i got to say, I, I feel like it, it's sort of set up for him. You know, like he's come from one of the worst managers we've ever had. Uh, the crowds are back in there. The, the squad's responded. It was at a low kind of ebb. 
Um, if Kane doesn't go, he's got one of the best strikers in the world. If he does go, he's got one of the best directors in football, you know, spending his 150 million. So, so I think he's in a good position. I, I really do. I don't think there's many managers that we'd have rather in this kind of situation, personally. So, when you, you've spoken about it, what are you expecting from this Sunday? Um, I, I don't want to cop out, but I think the first 10 minutes are key. If the, the first 10 minutes are boring football and Spurs play a little bit like they did yesterday, I think it's going to be a dull, awful kind of game where it's 0-0, 1-0. I think Spurs squeak it. Um, if there's some fireworks, I think, and it ends up being a shootout, I think it'll benefit Spurs. Um, but either way, like I said, right to open with, I, I just think the game, Wolves might just lose this game just because the emotion, the new manager in there, a lot of things going on. I just think Spurs feel a little bit more settled at the moment and it comes at a good time. Confidence is high. Obviously, yesterday was a bit of a disaster, but could work, you know, it works well in the fact that there was no first team players there anyway. It sort of justifies where they are in there. So, yeah, I think if I had to put my neck out, I'm going to say a dull game, 1 0. <sighs> Eric Dyer, corner, first. You know, oh, special. Yeah, yeah, That's I feel it. like that. And, but it'll probably be 4 3 or 3 2 or spectacularness. <laughs> Who knows? Now, nah, well. Thank you for joining us anyway. Really appreciate your time and I hope you're not smiling on Sunday afternoon to be yeah, brutally honest. Well, yeah. I'm sure well, they'll be in the barbershop on Monday across every single site. Yeah, passing on the message to me. Don't worry, Cheers, you'll guys. be getting some WhatsApp messages. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll see. Phone's off tomorrow, uh, Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ian. Thanks for joining us. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah. That was Ian Matto, um, Spurs fan, local, local boy as well. Um, Dan, I mean, we've we've kind of done the Spurs game to death, I think, now. Um, a lot's been happening at Wolves over the last week from a from a departures perspective, anyway. Um, the likes of Patrick Catrone, Rafa Mir and Owen Atasawi all on their way out. Um, I'm wondering what you're celebrating for, to be honest. Or, you know oh, a lot. You're on about PC? You know, I love a bit of pizza. I don't mind a bit of pasta, but the sooner that guy's permanently gone from our club, the better. I'm fed up of people persevering with the Italian Andy Keogh. He's not good enough for this club. He'll never be good enough for this club. And whilst he wears a wolf shirt, he'll never gain the confidence to be good for this club. Just sell him, get him off the wage, Bill. Let's move. And let's... Let's look forward to uh, some incomings, hopefully. I mean, I know we've got another guest waiting for us who's done quite a bit of work on having a look at prospective signings over the summer uh, from an analytical point of view as well. Um, welcome, Dan. Dan Butler Analysis. Um, Hi, lads. How are we? Yeah, not, not bad, thanks, mate. Not bad, not bad. Um, just talking transfer window, um, obviously outgoings have started to happen. Um we're desperate, and uh, if you feel this way, I think we all are, for some good news about some incomings. Um, today, I mean, we've been linked with Adam Ola-Luckman, someone who I was pretty keen on from the start of the summer, to be honest. Where do, where do we need to go from here, Dan? Um, Prioritising, I think, would be the main thing. Um, I, I know some of the rumours are never going to be coming true, so I don't have to worry too much about that, but you hear a hell of a lot about wingers, um, sometimes strikers thrown in there. feels like we're not... Listen, we're never going to understand completely what's going on inside the club. Um, but 
the priority's surely got to be centre back and either a holding midfielder to let Neves go further up or alternatively let Neves sit deep and get someone who's going to carry the ball from midfield. Because that's what we've had for so many years now. I mean, Moutinho and Neves was great first season because no one had really figured us out properly by that point. Um, but by this point, I mean, they're just too similar. It's, it's too easy to play against at this point. Moutinho's legs have gone a little bit. and I love him. He's been probably one of the best players I've ever seen in the wall shirt. But ultimately, we need a different kind of profile in centre midfield. And, and look, Lookman would be a good signing in normal times, but these aren't normal times. And, and it's about prioritising. And he's just not a priority at the minute, you know? That's so frustrating to not what everything what you've just said is rings true. It's so frustrating that we haven't got UA for coaching badges. We're not got business degrees in football recruitment, but it's so obvious that the priority is a centre back. We keep getting linked to Guedes, Luckman, Kangley. Where is today's Dean Richards? We need a centre back. Yeah, look, I, I don't disagree. Um, we know the club likes to sort of operate quietly at times and maybe they've got something lined up in both positions. We don't know that. Um, but certainly from the from the rumblings so far, it does look like the, the priorities are a little bit out of whack. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little bit worrying now. I think if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I'd have felt a little bit more positive about it because we've still got, you know, maybe a month to go until the transfer window closes. But here we are. What are we, 12 days out now? Less than that, maybe, and yeah. we we're, we're looking like we're scrambling a little bit. And as soon as you do that, you let other clubs know that you you're going to overpay for players, and you're not in a in a position where you've got a lot of leverage, really. Well, if you believe the reports, I mean, we're trying to get a convicted criminal through the, <laughs> through the door, and, and you know, um, from from you know various sources, I think there's talk of work permit being rejected for Ruben Semedo. If you know, I mean, it's been spoken about many times, but. That constant, you know, taking our, you know, a little, you know, begging bowl over to George Mendes and, and asking him to fill it with a player. It, it seems to be, you know, our last resort at every single opportunity. Uh, what are your thoughts on that at the moment? It's frustrating because I think there's, I'll use France as an example. If you look at France, that's a, that's a, a footballing country right now that's got no money at all. I mean, you, you look at players like Awar at Lyon. Wolves are never going to go for him, but he's a good example of a player who, in a normal market, is probably worth somewhere between 40 and 50 million. And Leon are going to let him go for probably close to 20 to 25. That's a country, or that's a league, I should say, League 1, that could be taken advantage of so easily. And there's so much talent out there, it's ridiculous. But because we fall back on Mendes so often, we miss out on these deals. And I don't blame, I, I've seen quite a few tweets in the last couple of days sort of trying to, trying to find a someone to blame for all of this and I don't think it falls on the recruitment team because my gut feeling would be that they are finding these players they they're doing the exact same things that you'd expect them to do they're running through the numbers they're spending hours and hours and hours going through video and the the ultimate thing that happens is that it's the it's the Mendes client every every time um and I can't imagine how frustrating that's got to be for them you just mentioned the French league being um sort of uh Cherry picked. Obviously, we got Ryan Eight Nori in the summer without a Mendes connection. He has got a Mendes connection, has he? I think he's. I think he's part of his agency. I think. Yeah. Is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's still frustrating, like you just said. There, yeah. we're just heavy reliant. We can't. 
look too derogatorily at the Mendy situation because of the players that he's already brought us. But there has to be um, a point in the road where we have to venture away from his client bases. And now it's just, if I wasn't going to make that step where they're still making a cut of all the, the money that he makes. Well, yeah, that's the difficulty, isn't it? It's because they own a stake in the, in the agency. It's difficult for them to just take a step away suddenly. But I agree. I think, broadly speaking, we've, we've got to learn to stand on our own two feet at some point and, and trust the recruitment team that are in at the club currently. Um, like I say, the, there'll be all of the players that are getting highlighted on, on Twitter by any sort of analytics accounts as, as potentially being good signings for any club They'll be going through these players. They'll have them in the database. They'll be well aware of their strengths, weaknesses, profiles, how they fit into, how they could fit into a, a Bruno Lars system. Again, I, I don't know how much say that they actually have over these things in the end. I, I can't think of... You just said about Ait Nouri having some sort of Mendes influence. I didn't know that, I have to be honest with you. But other than that, I can't think of the last first-team signing that we made that was had no influence from that side of things at all. Well, I mean, Mosquera is probably one as, a, as an example yeah. that, that maybe isn't part of that conversation. But, I mean, you mentioned certain players getting picked out analytically. From a centre-half perspective, I know you've done some work on it uh, from a midfield perspective. From a centre-half perspective, is there anyone that you've come across in your in your research that, that would be a good option? It's difficult because I think, so I did a piece on um, on sort of centre-backs we could look at over this summer and that was probably a couple of months ago now. Um, but since then, I've sort of got a better understanding of what a centre-back partnership should look like and it's, it's that cat-dog relationship of one that sits off the ball a little bit more and one that attacks the ball. So Mosquera, for example, is a good, a good example of what a dog would be, chasing after the ball, sometimes getting pulled out to midfield out of position and then your cat sat a little bit deeper to mop up like that. So the, the players that I um, I highlighted in that piece, so my, I, I had Mavropanos who was on loan, I think it's Stuttgart oh, yeah. from Arsenal and he, he ranked really well basically across the board in the, in the numbers I was looking at. But if I was to go back and do that piece again, I think I would take into account more things like trying to find that balance with centre-back partnership. Yeah. Um, so off the top of my head I couldn't tell you There's a, I think it's is it Stefan Posh I think who plays out in Germany um, I need to check I need to check where, he's, where he plays at the minute um, but he's he can play right back and he can play centre back and he looks like a really good fit but again when I was looking through those numbers I was looking for something different to what I think we need now I think what we do need is a, is a less aggressive centre back if you, you go through who's on the books right now yeah. you've got Sace Bolly Mosquera everyone is going to attack that ball, apart from probably Cody, who we I think is well-established now. He's not going to play in a four. So I can't, I can't offer you just names off the top of my head. I yeah. wish I could. No, that's, that's totally fair. But, that's totally yeah. fair. We do, we do have the benefit of a 90-minute Premier League fixture um, to, to look back on, though. And one player who did come out with credit, I think, across the board was Max Kilman. Um, yes. I, I liked the way that he came out with the ball and he seemed to have a little bit more of a remit to start attacks and use his ability that, you know, we've always joked about with futsal links and all that kind of thing. Um, where do you see him fitting? Maybe do you, do you see him perhaps being more of a, a fixture? Because it doesn't look like he's on his way out. No, I think he's sort of, I think in the summer, sort of probably prior to pre-season, if you'd, 
if you'd asked me then, I probably would have said he could have done with a loan out, maybe a, a middle to top end championship club and just see how he gets on there, playing week in, week out, really physical league, just see how he gets on there. But I think he's played himself into contention, you know. I think he's, I wasn't his biggest fan, but there are times when he picks the ball up from deep and he can, he can drag a striker with him and he can come in field with it. And I think he offers something a little bit different in that sense. You wouldn't, you wouldn't find someone like Odie who's, incredibly risk averse ever doing something like that and I think Bolly used to do it when Bolly would play on the left of a back three when we were in the championship he'd yeah. come inside with the ball and then he'd find Douglas or he'd find John on the left and, and it opened up a whole new sort of dynamic as to how we could play play through through um through opposition through deep blocks especially um so yeah I think I think like I say if you'd asked me a couple of months ago I'd probably send the film online but now all of a sudden he's looking like one of the best options which probably says quite a lot about the recruitment in general, but true, it gives yeah. him a chance, yeah. you know? You know my opinions on uh, Kilman Gully, and even I was sort of taken aback at, at how assured and composed he was on on Saturday. Um, at the start of the season, he would have been one of the first players I'd have had out the door just to try and give the guy some experience or maybe try and get some money to improve. But under the new sort of era, under Bruno Lage's He's definitely played himself into contention. I think the likes of Sace and um, Den Donker, I think their sort of careers, to a degree, in, in a defensive way, are finished at Wolves. I mean, yeah, perhaps defensively, but again, with the numbers that came out of the Leicester fixture, Romain Sace was really important in moving the ball forward for us, and he, he, he generally is. Um, so, you know, I think, I think part of it probably is we... We don't want to see the same back three for the last three, four seasons. You know, these these are all players that have been part of championship sides and things, which um, probably just doesn't sit right with us. I, I think we do fall into the trap with Kilman of thinking about his history as a footballer um, in terms of coming from Maidenhead and maybe not being the flashiest player. But if he'd have come through, I don't know, a, a Premier League side academy and we'd, we'd signed him from, I don't know, a Chelsea or a Liverpool or something like that, we might have felt a little bit more optimistic about um, the way he plays. But moving kind of up the pitch, um, and I know you mentioned you're going to have a bit more of an in-depth look at him, Dan. Adama Traore, um, we've uh, spoken about the fact that I think he accumulated the most XG in a fixture than in his entire Premier League career on Saturday. He's not a player who tends to get a lot of chances and, and maybe having him off the left is, is, is going to bring him into those kind of positions going forward. The ultimate quandary, he creates those chances himself, doesn't take them, but would we be in those positions without him? How, how do you solve a problem like Troy Ray at this point? How long you got? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a piece out on him probably sometime next week. Um <sighs> I, I go in quite a lot of depth about sort of players and, and stuff like that on, on Twitter, but I can't find a better way of saying it other than it just does my head in. <laughs> it's it's so frustrating watching someone who's been blessed with so many physical gifts that I feel it, it's almost meant that he's he doesn't have to develop, or he feels he doesn't have to develop other parts of his game as much. It, it means that he can afford to have a heavier touch at times because he knows he's got the pace or he's got the strength. He can fend off a challenge if he needs to, if he gets into that situation. Um, oh, you, you mentioned the, the XG from the Leicester game. 
it was a little bit misleading because I think it, what was it? It was about 0. 0.78, something like that. He'd accumulated yeah, yeah, yeah. around yeah. there. But 0. 0.5 something of that was from the one chance. And the then one chance, yeah. there was a, there was a lot of talk about the shots he had taken. Yeah, they were horrible locations, and it was into bodies as well. And I, I've got the premise of the article that went out. I think it was on Sky that everyone was sharing the other day about it. Um, but I, I sort of urge caution when it comes to looking at XG over one game, um, yeah. and especially when it's so heavily skewed by by one sort of chance that's come about. Um, I've got questions as to whether finishing something probably improved, but fundamentally, do you hit a ball properly? Sometimes I feel like he doesn't actually connect with the ball properly. I'm sure you, we can all pick out videos of Twitter where you know, he scored against Spurs, for example, he put it top corner. But sometimes I feel like he, he drags his shots. They're quite rushed at times. And, and as much as I love him, if I worked at Wolves and you offered me 40 mil for him now, I'd snap your hand off. Because I think you can replace his output for somewhere in the region of 20 to 25 mil. And you've got an extra 15 to play with to invest elsewhere in the squad. It's that I've just I'm always held back by that fear of thinking he's going to click one day, and uh, probably yeah, more for me in, in that sense. But he, he, what is he 25 yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, at some point, a player is what he is. Uh, I do, I do, I do take your point know, entirely, though. That, yeah, I take your point entirely that he probably, as an academy player, was running rings about around players to the extent where his link up play didn't ever become a factor. In, in his mm. games and he's, he's, he's had to develop that much later and if you look at it now if he's coming off the left he can't just go, go get wide and put a cross in he's going to have to come and play inside a little bit more one twos with Jimenez I think will help him I do think he will yeah but, I agree yeah it's a make or break season really for him and his, his Wolves career and his, probably his career as a whole he, he, he could feel like um, you know managers across the league might think you know he's a busted flush if, if he doesn't produce but I think we we're all quite optimistic about Sunday. Um, what are your thoughts going into this game and, and, and how you think we're going to get on? I feel optimistic because I know, I think we all know what Nuno's not good at and that's breaking down low blocks at times. I think if we sit five yards deeper, it's going to sound a little bit negative, but I think you have to approach every game differently. You sit five yards, 10 yards deeper against this Spurs side, it doesn't fill me with a lot of fear. That, that midfield three is quite functional. Um, I know I know they can play Dali at Deli Ali there, and he's a more creative player. But Skip and and Hoiberg, and we know when Dombele is not going to be playing because he's on his way out. You can get at that Spurs side, I think, as long as you don't play too high a line. Is 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 basically where I would go. Um, and if we approach it in the right manner, I think there's, I think we could, I think we could turn them over. I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch. I think that you know. Man for man, they're, they're miles ahead of us. But we know if those, I mean, what I'll say is if those players don't know what Nuno's weaknesses are, they haven't been paying attention for the last four years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we, know, we know how a Nuno team loses because we've seen it. We've definitely seen it over the last 18 months at least. Um, I just, I, I think they're there to be got at. You look at their back, their back four, Tanganga. Davison Sanchez, Eric Dyer. Regulon's good going forward, but I think that back four is definitely there to be got at. Hopefully, um, I, I put the tweet out earlier. Raul Nadal is a combined 
to get that goal on a Sunday. I think it's, it's happening. I think it's, it's written in the stars that Raul's going to score on Sunday. I certainly hope so. The, the yeah. roof will come off the place if he does. It'd be yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. We are we are very much looking forward to the game on Sunday. If you want to put your neck on the line, well, we're going to put your neck on the line, Dan, and get a score out of you. So, please. Uh, I'll go, you know, I'll play a little bit conservative and I'll say 1-1, one, one, but I do I do think if we set up properly, this there for the taking, there's, there's a 1-0, there's a 2-1 on the cards. We'll, we'll, put that, we'll put you down for a 2-1 then, don't worry. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, do back. it, why not? We'll, we'll come back to you, we'll come back to you. What's your prediction, Gullev? Well, no, this is what I was going to move on to, Dan, because, you know, we can't we can't be running the show here and not be, uh, you know, offering our own thoughts. Um, yeah, I, 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 I thought 2-1. I thought two one. I think, like we say, there's 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 a, a lot to come from this forward line, um, from my perspective, and I think Neves and Matinho can have an influence on this game. Um, we've got a decent record performance wise, maybe not results wise. I think we always play well, generally speaking, against Spurs. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. And going back to the atmosphere and and the place being rocking. Yeah, how's that not going to carry the team on? It has to. It has to. So yeah, two one. Put me down for it. I'm going three one Wolves. I just honestly believe it's going to be one of them special days when the atmosphere and if Nuno, for whatever reason, doesn't get his, uh, the Tottenham cap, who's Tottenham captain at the moment with a cane out? Quite yeah, probably. Hoiberg yeah. Hoiberg doesn't win that coin. Was it Lloris? No, it Lloris won it. Oh yeah, yeah. Lloris. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if he doesn't win that coin toss and we're shooting towards the safe bank in the second half, it's 3 1 Wolves. Jimenez he doesn't know to turn it round as well, isn't he? That's the problem. Yeah. Jimenez 2, Trinkair 1, Wolves 3, Tottenham 1. That's my, that's where my money's going. Have you got any odds on that? No. You, you could get Raul at 3.15 to 1 score any time. That was the best odds I saw earlier. There you go. That's okay. That's okay. Well, that would that would pay for a takeaway from one of our friends at Wolverhampton Eats tonight. Absolutely, it will. Absolutely, it will. So, guys, if you if you haven't figured out what you want to do for dinner, uh, make sure you download the app and have a look on there. Um, we will call it a night there, and uh, we can all get down the pub and have a good Friday evening. Um, thank you for joining us as always. Supported by the Kings Winford Sports Shop, and we are part of the Ninety Min Network, as you know. Please make sure you tune into all of our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And, you know, there'll be a stream of content coming throughout the week and hopefully um, off the back of a positive result on Sunday afternoon. So from me, Dan and Dan, good evening, guys, and uh, speak soon. See you later, lads. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.